Welcome to Blaine Christ the King. You are listening to our weekly service message podcast. Join us every Sunday morning at 10 o'clock at our campus location in Blaine, Washington. Thanks for tuning in. Before we get into the message, I just want to pray. God, I thank you for this gathering. I thank you, God, that um, in new seasons, you bring new people into our lives to build us up. And Lord, I pray that as we get into your word today, that you would speak to us. I pray that you would challenge us. And I pray that you would help us to see your vision uh, for our lives and our community. And so we just lift this up to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Yeah, so, so we are putting out a challenge. We want to exist as a church more than Sunday. We feel like there's so much more life in being the church than, than showing up to church as an experience. And so we really want you guys to not, uh, to, to not be, um, to not, not just come on Sunday, but to take one step in further into community. Just take a step. And our goal is to get 90% of you who call CTK Blaine home into community, into, into a place where you can grow, where you can build relationships and be challenged in your faith. Um, so that's our goal, and we've chosen these, these three opportunities that you can check out. Um, but our appeal is not to make small groups like the, the hippest, coolest thing that's ever come to Blaine. Like, we're not trying to, to make it super original. They're not, you know, like small groups have existed since the 1600s, I'm pretty sure. Um, but we do, I just want to say this, as I was thinking about it this week, is that Christian community is something that oftentimes we need more than we might want. Does that make sense? We actually need Christian community, but it might be something that we need more than we actually want. It's like every time I go running, I feel this, right? Do I need to go running? Yes. But do I want to go running? Not all the time, right? You ever have that waffly feeling, like before you go work out, like, I, I feel like I should just relax, or I should just hit that snooze button, you know, and just keep sleeping. And, you know, if you do that, often enough, if you do that again and again, the motivation level goes down and down and down, right? It's harder to get back into it. And I feel like community, Christian community is often the same way. It's something we need. Oftentimes it's not something we necessarily want. And so if you're feeling that waffly feeling this morning, you're not alone. Um, If you're thinking, man, I probably should do this, but I don't know if I have time, I'd encourage you to make time it's going to be worth it. You'll realize that it's something you needed, even if it's something that you might not want right now. Sometimes fear holds us back. And I think one of the reasons for this is we live in, in a consumer culture that, that makes our lives really revolve around us. You know, it's like our culture is, is very individualistic, where we're all the captains of our own ship, where we call the shots. We don't need other people to interfere with our lives. Um, maybe we don't feel like we need help or accountability. Um, but God's word clearly shows us that, that thinking that we're, we're in charge, we're the captain, is, is a false security. That our consumerism, it's a false security. Jesus said we can gain the whole world and lose our soul. And so if we put our weight on pleasing ourselves all the time or materialistic things, um, we can actually end up really, really dissatisfied and be off track of what God desires. And when Jesus came, he showed us another way to live. 
He showed us that the world is more than just our kingdom. Jesus didn't imagine the church as a bunch of individual kingdoms that run around and bump into each other sometimes. No, there's, there's one kingdom that we're all a part of. We're made to be interdependent in this kingdom. And, um, you know, this, this uh, idea that we are relational creatures comes directly from God. God exists in community, if you think about it. He exists in three people, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. God exists in relationship, in love. And likewise, we're supposed to be uh, connected in relationship at a deep level. And so last week we were in Acts 2, and we saw how the church just kind of sprung out of the gates as the vibrant family of God. Um, They were together all the time. They had all things in common. Um, The Holy Spirit was actively at work in their community because they were all devoted to him. He was their everyday deal. And because of that, God moved through the church in really amazing ways. And this week, if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Romans, uh, the book of Romans, chapter 15, uh, verses 1 through 7. Uh, Paul wrote the book of Romans, and um, some would say that this book is the most thorough explanation of the gospel in all of Scripture. It's, it's extremely thorough in the way that explains the gospel, and I don't, um, right now I don't have enough courage to take on the whole book, <laughs> so I'm just going to give you a piece, because it is a beast. Um, but Romans 15, 15 is towards the end of the book, and it gets into... What does, our, uh, what does the gospel, how does it affect our relationship? How does the fact that Jesus is the head of our church, how does that affect the way that we treat each other? One of the issues that they had at the time was that the gospel was bringing together very different people. People from very different backgrounds, people uh, with very different ideas and customs, and, and they were all unified under the gospel. And the biggest problem at at this time at the church was that it was bringing together um, people from a religious Jewish background and people who grew up in a pagan background, Jews and Gentiles. They came from just different, uh, different streams of thought, different cultures. And many of the Jews um, at that time thought that in order for someone to be a Christian, they had to be a Jew first. So they had to uh, adopt all the practices and customs. And um, the, the people at the time didn't think, uh, the, the Gentiles at the time kind of rejected that idea because that would mean things like circumcision and following a strict diet, which, you know, it's like if we could avoid those things to be a Christian, that would be great. Um, But yeah, they argued back and forth, and it created this division um, within the church. And so Paul comes in, and in chapter 14, he talks about how we have freedom in Christ, and and that we're free from the law, and God actually writes things on our hearts. And, um, and, and, And so God came to show us the way, but it's not holding to all of the Jewish customs. But here was the problem. The Jewish believers won't, weren't really allowed, because of the gospel, the Jewish believers weren't allowed to dismiss the Gentiles. The Gentiles weren't allowed to dismiss the Jews. They're supposed to be united because of Christ, because of the gospel. He brings different people together. And so with that in mind, we're going to read Romans 15, uh, starting in verse 1. And it says this. 
says, we who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good, to build him up. For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of scriptures, we might have hope. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another, in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. And so what we see in this passage is that God actually brings together very different people for his glory. He brings together very different people so that we can all grow. We grow by being around people who are different than us. Um, so this, he didn't want a Jewish background church over here and a Gentile background church over here. If Jesus was the head of the church, he wanted all the church to be together so that they could grow. So if we're going to be a healthy church, that means we're going to contain some very different people. Um, so we, we're not going to divide on social status. We're not going to divide on economics. We're not going to divide on race. We're not going to divide on which political party we belong to. Because Jesus is our primary identity and everything else is secondary. And so today we can have a church with Democrats and Republicans or even Libertarians and Green Party people. Like they can actually get along, right? Um, we can have a church full of different races, different economic backgrounds, different music preferences, people who drink coffee and people who actually go to a coffee shop and order hot chocolate. Like it, we can accept these people. Um, vegans can get together with bacon lovers and love the same God. Um, it even brings together people who enjoy shows like The Bachelor, right? I mean, I'm just, you know who you are. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, but what Romans 15 shows us, it actually goes deeper than just bringing people together. I mean, you have me may have seen that, that slogan out there. It's become sort of a, a, a motto of our time, coexistence, right? The gospel goes beyond coexistence. It goes way beyond coexistence. Coexistence is too easy for the gospel. It's easy enough to live and let live. But what the gospel does is it tells us that we are actually responsible for one another. We're actually responsible for one another. And the main idea is this, is that when we belong to the vibrant family of God, we take responsibility for each other. Way more profound than coexistence. Of course, when you hear the word responsibility, you might be like a teenager and cringe, right? I don't want responsibility. I don't want to add anything else to my life. And, you know, often, you know, we have trouble taking responsibility for ourselves. So to take responsibility for other people seems like a real stretch. It's challenging to be responsible for someone else. I learned this in the fifth grade um, when I was on a walk to school one day. And I used to walk one mile to school both ways. That's my grandpa statement for the day, right? Except grandpas would be like, I walked 15 miles in the snow both ways uphill, right? But mine is just one mile 
Uh, one mile, and the only danger was the occasional angry dog. But, um, but I walked uh, with my friend Josh and my younger brother, Ben. I was in fifth grade. Ben was in second grade. And um, one day, we decided we wanted to make our walk a little more interesting. And we thought it would kind of be uh, funny if we tried to throw rocks at cars on our way to school. That's a good idea, right? I don't see any holes in that idea. I wasn't pl really planning to hit any cars, you know, so I was just trying to act cool. So, you know, a car would drive by and I'd throw it after it. You know, I wasn't really trying to hit one. I'm pretty sure Josh actually, actually hit a taillight. Um, but uh, when my little, bro my little brother didn't get this, he didn't get that we were just trying to act cool. We weren't actually trying to hit cars. And so when we, get, we, when we got closer to the school, he picked up the biggest rock he could find and just hucked it as hard as he could at this white van flying down the road. Hit it broadside, just you could hear the smack and the, then the brakes and a very, very angry man got out of the car. <laughs> scared us to death. Um, but he was very upset. We found out that he was actually one of the teacher's husbands at our school. And so um, we were all, we had this meeting after school and my parents were called and it was really embarrassing and we all got in trouble. But who do you think got in the most trouble, me or my brother? <laughs> me, right? I'm the one who trained him. I'm the one who showed him the way of throwing rocks at cars. It wasn't his fault. He was just trying to imitate whatever I was doing. I had a responsibility to show my brother the right way, and I trained him how to chuck rocks at cars. So, um, But in the same way, we have a responsibility to each other. The first thing Paul says is, we who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Paul says we're under obligation. An obligation means we owe it to each other to bear with each other. Um, that means we owe each other grace. We owe each other the chance to follow Christ, the, to, to build each other up. And he uses these terms stronger towards the weaker. He's saying those who've been around a while need to look out for the people who haven't. Those who have, have traveled down the road um, with Christ, who are more mature, have a responsibility to help build up those who are new to Christ, new to the church. And so I'm going to, there's three points here that I want to talk about our responsibility. And the first one is this. Here's the first point. Is that we consider how the way we live affects the spiritual health of others. Um, have you ever considered how the way that you live might affect the faith of someone else? Because I think that people learn more from what we do than what we say, right? People learn more from what we do than what we say. And I, I, I hold this really, uh, really highly as a preacher. Like if I'm telling you to do something and I'm not living it out, then, then I should quit my job, right? If I can't back up what I live by what I do, then there's a problem there. And maybe the best example we have of this in our lives is, is raising kids. Kids pay a lot more attention to what we do than what we say, right? Um, like if, if we spend four hours in front of the TV every night, our kids learn, okay, this is normal living. This is normal behavior. Not that I've ever done this, but if you ever text and drive with your kids in the back seat, they learn that behavior, right? They learn that behavior, and that might make things hard when our kids turn 16 and they're ready to drive, right? 
Um, Mark Deaver talked about it this way, and he had a book called Discipling, and he talked about how, um, how we are supposed to be models for other people to follow Christ. He said, really discipling others is a kind of fashion modeling. No, you're not showing off clothes for a photographer. You're demonstrating a fashion or a way of living for others to follow. Discipling is inviting them to imitate you, making your trust in Christ an example to be followed. All of us in turn should be able to say to others, as Paul did, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. How comfortable are you with that thought? of having other people imitate your life. Um, if someone came up to you and said, hey, what does it mean to follow Jesus? Would you be willing or able to say, well, just do what I do and you'll figure it out? Like that'd be kind of a scary thing, right? We have a scary responsibility for each other to model Christ. So if there's ever a reason to pray, pray that you could live a life that other people could imitate. Pray that you could live a life that other people could follow, that they could look at your life as a roadmap for what it means to follow Jesus. So Paul talks about choosing to please others over ourselves, which pleasing others, he doesn't mean do what everybody wants all the time. What he's saying is live for the good of other people. Would your life be for the good of others, the ultimate good of others? Live so that other people can follow. Because if we, if we don't, we're not the only ones who suffer. Um, I worked at a workplace one time where the guy with the dirtiest mouth was the most outspoken Christian. Like, there's a problem with that, right? Because if, if the guy with the dirtiest mouth is also the most outspoken Christian, what he's saying is that Jesus really doesn't make any difference on how I live. You know, and, and so it, what it ended up doing is his, when he talked about Christ, it actually made things worse, right? Because then people are saying, well, they were turned off to the idea um, of following Christ because they didn't see any fruit. And so Paul says, what Jesus has done for you, do for other people. Live for the good of other people. Use your life to help others grow. And we all have weaknesses. And when we come together in community, we learn our strengths and our weaknesses. And the cool part about being part of a smaller community is that people really get to know you. And where you're strong, someone else might be weak. And where you're weak, someone else might be strong. And we help each other grow together. See, the Jews struggled knowing that these pagan background believers were eating meat that was sacrificed to idols which to the Gentiles wasn't a big deal because that was like the best like price you could get on meat. Like the, the meat that was sacrificed to idols was like a discount. So it's like, hey, this isn't a big deal. Meat is meat, right? Um, but to the Jews, that affected their conscience. Like, well, how could, you know, how could you eat meat sacrificed to idols? And to the, to the, uh, to the Gentiles, they were like, well, it, it doesn't matter because meat is meat. Who cares where it comes from? And so maybe for us, it comes from having a, we need to beware of having a cavalier attitude towards others. You know, God gives us freedom in Christ. God gives us a conscience and, and um, he gives us faith. And, but there are areas where you might um, have a clear conscience and other people might struggle. I think sometimes we can be too cavalier with alcohol and not consider people struggling with alcohol addiction. Maybe it's the movies we watch or the jokes that we tell. 
um, where we're too cavalier and we get in trouble when we're too cavalier about life. Peter says to be sober-minded, consider others, consider how the way that we act um, affects the spiritual health of others. So that's the first thing. The second thing that we do is this. Um, We build each other up with endurance and encouragement. Paul says, let us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. So that's what we do in community. That's That's the whole thing. We build each other up. We invest in each other. We, we work on each other. Just by being together, we're working on each other. Um, we're helping strengthen the weak areas of other people's lives. And that comes by being together. We invest in each other and we help each other become more and more like Jesus. And here's the idea with building. If we're all building each other, it means that none of us are finished products, right? None of us are finished products. Um, all of us need work. Can I get an amen on that? All of us need some work. And that's why God gave us each other, so that we could help each other, build into each other's lives, so that we could together look more like Christ. So then if you walk into a group, there shouldn't be any expectation that you're a finished product, or you have to attain a certain level of health before you walk into something. Um, Because if there is that expectation, then that's self-righteousness. And uh, the only thing that prevents people from growing is thinking that they don't need to grow, right? So the only thing that prevents people from growing is thinking that they don't need to grow. But if you do know you need to grow, then it's easy to grow. Um, God opens you up to change. Uh, Matthew Henry once said this, he said, the design of Christianity is to soften and meeken your spirit. It's to make you more pliable. It's to make you more flexible so that God can help you grow. And that's true. Um, Being in Christian community means opening yourself up to growth. Um, And that growth always comes with some pain. You know, always comes with being honest about where you're at. Uh, I used to work for a pastor down in Portland who was very good at being honest, uh, Pastor Steve. And I loved Pastor Steve because he was super honest and super loving, and I've never seen anybody do this as well as he did. Like, even if he insulted me, I would leave feeling good because I know that he cared about me. Um, But I remember one time I was just getting to know him and um, he was in a meeting and I came in, I had some copies to make and he's in this room, he's talking to someone and I'm standing at the door and he says, Tyler, get in here. Be assertive. Get in here. If you've got something to do, come in and do it now. And I was like, oh, I was a frightened 24-year-old, you know. But he didn't mince words. And I knew that whatever he was saying was for my good. And, uh, and so I, I loved working for him. But when we create relationship with each other, there's some safety there. Um, somebody said, um, if they know you love them, you can say anything to them. Like if they know that you care about them, then you can say anything to them. We learn how to speak the truth and love, you know, to build each other up. Um, And we don't expect anyone to have it together. That's why we focus on the relationship first. Um, Paul says this. uh, He points to what empowers us to build others up. And it, it comes down to this. He says, for whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. 
He says, may the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So community is built on endurance and encouragement that comes from God. It's built on endurance and encouragement that comes from God. Um, I find this. We all need endurance. I'm really good at starting things. Sometimes I have trouble maintaining things. Anybody else with me on that? Like I can get really excited at the beginning of something and then it can just kind of fade out. Um, Aaron, you were with us last summer when we tried to start an Ultimate Frisbee League and we were very passionate. We were gonna meet every Saturday morning and play Ultimate Frisbee, get in great shape over the summer, and we met once. And it was like, <laughs> chucking this thing, this isn't gonna work. We, we realized that maybe our families wanted us around on Saturdays. Um, so, but we have those things, right? We're like, yeah, we're gonna do this thing. And then if we don't have endurance, we just throw it on the burn pile, right? Um, our faith is something that we can't chuck, right? Our faith is something that requires endurance. Um, Jesus said in John 15, remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. God gave us each other to help us uh, grow each other in Christ, to help us remain in Christ, to point each other back to Christ. Um, whatever, to, and he gives us each other to help us bear with each other's weaknesses. We build each other up. We have an obligation because you know who bore, uh, stayed with us in our weaknesses? Christ, right? So we have a responsibility to each other. At the same time, we need to remain in Christ. We also need to remain in connection to each other. Taking yourself out of community is like taking a coal out of a hot fire. Like it'll stay warm for a while on its own, but as it's on its own, it becomes colder and colder. We actually need each other and, and, and God's spirit moves in community and, and I pray that, that his fire would just kind of fall in our community. And if we take ourselves out of that community, we'll cool down. And that's not what we want. Somebody said this, and I really like it. He said, the devil wants nothing more than for you to think I can do this myself. I got the God thing myself. The devil wants nothing more than you to think I can do this myself. I've got it. So as we gather together, it's part of helping each other endure. It's like that workout, right? One workout isn't going to change your life. But a series of workouts, a, a routine of workouts, continued workouts will change the way you look. And so we help each other endure through difficult times because we go through times of loss and grief. We go through times of health scares. Uh, we go through times of parenting chaos. And if you saw my kids up here, they're nine, six and three. And we know what that looks like. Um, our house is pretty lively. Um, to say the least, my daughter actually broke a window the other day just by, like, she's strong. She just pushed on it, and it broke. Um, but, uh, and she's fine, by the way. Um, if you were wondering, she's great. Um, but Paul says that we, we help each other endure, and we also encourage each other. And he points to Scripture as the main way that we encourage each other. Um, that, that we actually, our main source of encouragement comes directly from the mouth of God into Scripture. And so the way that we encourage each other is that we absorb scripture ourselves and then we give that to other people. 
We share what we're learning in God. I don't think there's been any more powerful question in a small group that I've been a part of than what is God teaching you? And then you just get to hear the honest truth about what people are learning in their journey with God. And it's always different and it's always refreshing. And it's amazing to see how someone else's journey reflects on your journey, how the things that they're learning impact what you're learning or bring to light something that you've never thought about before. Um, it's amazing. And uh, I love the picture at the end. The whole point of all of this is that so we together could glorify God with one voice. Paul uses the word such harmony. Um, God wants the unity that he has, even within himself, in the Father and Son and Spirit, this, this mutual submission, this mutual love to be reflected in his church, that we would glorify God together in one voice. Um, I don't know if you've ever been a part of a worship circle where, where it seemed like God's Spirit showed up, but it's a powerful experience. It seems like, you know, not, no one's thinking about what the Seahawks score is. No one's thinking about what's, what they need to get home to. Um, people have left their concerns. Everyone's looking up and just praising this God of the universe who's the only one worth living for. Maybe you've, maybe you've been around that. But there's something in that corporate worship where we recognize that God alone is worthy of our praise that God alone is worthy of our lives, and how powerful is it when we, when we actually admit that together, when we offer that praise to God together, that God alone is what life is about. Because then our concerns, our weights, our burdens feel smaller, right? When we realize how big God is. So in light of the greatness of God, the glory of God, the sacrifice of Jesus, we are also supposed to carry each other. The thing about that word bear, bear with each other, it's also the same word that they used to talk about how Jesus bore his cross. Like it's actually that same word that we, we bear each other, that we hold each other up, we carry each other if we need to, to our hurt. Through the good and the bad, come hell or high water. When our faith is weak, that's when we need people to step into our lives the most. And so the last thing that we do, the last responsibility is this. Lastly, we welcome others into the family just like Jesus welcomed us into his family. We welcome others into the family just like Christ welcomed us. Paul says in light of this, here's, here's the action point of the whole thing. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you to the glory of God. So at the, the bottom line is we exist, our church exists, whatever groups exist, our community exists, so that we could be a welcoming presence for others to join in the vibrant family of God. That others would have an entry point into relationship with Christ. We wanna be an entry point into this family of God for Blaine. That's the mission we're on. And if we're not welcoming people, then we're missing the reason why we're here. And I'm going to welcome the worship team to come on up. <laughs> um, back to Pastor Steve. There was one Sunday when he was new to the church I was at um, where he, he stood up and he said, I need you to realize something. The people out there need a church more than the people in here. The people out there need a church more than the people in here. And that ruffled some feathers. I mean, this church had been around for 50 years. 
but that he's absolutely right. If we're going to welcome each other like Christ welcome us, welcomed us, we need to care more about the people who are not here than the people who are. We need to welcome others who are not here more than we need to just focus on each other. And not that we don't need a church. We all do. We all do need a church. But we need to be that much more passionate about the people who aren't here because they're suffering apart from Christian community. So I want to ask you this. Who will you welcome into the family? Who in your life needs to be welcomed into connection with Christ? Who can you lead and say, come walk with me into this thing? Because we do. We have a responsibility for each other, and we have responsibility for others who don't know Christ yet, but who God desperately loves, who God wants to include into his family. Are we willing to include them in ours? We do this so that one day we will praise him with one voice, that we could gather around and praise Jesus, that he would overshadow anything that we have going on in our lives, that we could just praise him uh, together and invite others into that worship circle. So that's what I want to commit to as a church, that we would welcome each other into this vibrant family of God and that we would bear with each other, that we would help build each other up so that we could model for the world what it looks like to follow Christ. Let's pray. God, I thank you for your love for us. God, I thank you for the sacrifice of Jesus, that that you came to earth, that you took our sin, you actually bore our sin on on the cross so that we might have relationship with you. And God, it's very easy for us to live self-focused lives. It's very easy for us to think about what's good for us and maybe not what's good for other people. Um, God, we watch so many advertisements a day (laughs) that tell us what we need in our lives. But Lord, we need you and we need each other. So I pray for that conviction, God. I pray, Father, that your spirit would give us conviction that we need you, that we need each other to run this race, that we wouldn't, we, we wouldn't think that we need, we just need ourselves and that's it, but that we would be humble enough to admit, God, we need each other to grow, to sustain, to endure uh, in you. So, Lord, I pray uh, as we launch groups, as we um, get into community, as we commit to each other, that a wave of your spirit would go across our community and into Blaine, that you would bring us together, um, that we would experience real community, that we would experience real relationship. Um, God, that you would help us to um, have the courage uh, to be vulnerable when we need to be and to lift each other up um, when uh, we see another person down. Help us to be those people. So God, I pray for that. I thank you for this day. Um, I thank you for this season. May it be a season of new life. Even though it's fall, may it be a season where we experience new life in you. And we love you in Jesus' name. Amen.